Hello and welcome to the Psychic Stories podcast, encouraging conversations about mental health. Today I'm speaking to Dr. Erica and Dr. Linda. Dr. Linda works in A&E and Dr. Erica is a GP both at the NHS. They are both also lifestyle medicine physicians. They're the founders of Afternoon Tea with Docs and set out to empower everyone to enjoy good health by bringing health experts to the table over a hot cup of tea. Hello both, how are you doing? Hello, hi, thank you for having us. Thank you so much for, for being here. And, you know, for uh, those of you watching on YouTube, I'm once again in my car. My wife has a meeting, so I am banished to the car, uh, which actually is a very private place. Uh, and so I'm actually feeling, uh, I suppose, a little mood boost at the same time. So Dr. Eric and Dr. Linda, our goal of today, we're going to have an open and honest conversation about your mental health journey. Um, and also we're going to talk about the mental health impact uh, that you've experienced on the front line and in the community as a result of the COVID pandemic uh, to get some insight into the tools and techniques that have helped you and have helped your patients along the way and by discussing your journey we hope to share and normalize the conversations about mental health as often people are not alone in these experiences does that make sense to you absolutely cool so perhaps um dr erica we start with you um we start with you um we'd love to hear more about your mental health journey both in terms of yourself and also what you've experienced in the last year because i can only imagine it's been it's been tough and, and and i think it's probably fair to say dr erica and dr linda i think on behalf of psychic and also of everyone listening we would like to thank you for everything you've done uh whilst we've all sat at home you've obviously been through an in, 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 in incredible ordeal and yeah i'm yeah i think we're all deeply appreciative thank you very much Thank you. I think, I mean, I think everyone has experienced a lot over the last year. Um, some people um, have had a more negative experience than others. Some people have had more of a positive experience finding their way in lockdown. Um, and I've actually had patients tell me that they've quite enjoyed lockdown. Mm. Um, it's given them some space um, and been able to look after themselves better as a result. Um, so there are some people who have had a positive impact from it. Mm. Um, and um, I think myself included, um, although yes, working um, in the NHS during the pandemic, at times have been quite tough. Um, colleagues have been more supportive of, of each other. Um, and, um, and also it, it's also given me some space at home as well without mm. other obligations um, and being able to spend more time with my husband during lockdown has yeah. been really nice. And actually yeah. just sitting out in the garden um, last summer because we had lots of sunny days yeah. uh, and that was really lovely. Um, and in terms of, um, you know, my own mental health during mm. the pandemic, um, I think um, I actually coped quite well with it. As I said, um, I found time and space um, and I picked up new hobbies um, <clears throat> like painting. I started cooking a lot more, experimenting because I used to love going out to eat. Um, and with the lockdown, I wasn't able to do that. And so um, we started experimenting with lots of different sort of recipes and that was quite fun for me. Mm -hmm. um, so that was kind of how I coped and we had regular um, Zoom meetings with family doing, you know, yeah. family quizzes and things like that. And so that, that's been quite fun. Um, as for patients, um, I mean, generally speaking, um, with regards to mental health, um, in, in GP, we know that um, up to 40% of GP consultations include um, mental health problems. Mm. And that was a survey done in 2018 by Mind. Um, and so that's I, a pre-existing condition. Yes, absolutely. Mm. And I would say that, you know, in, in lockdown, that's probably exacerbated 
um, quite a lot, especially at the start of lockdown. I remember answering lots of phone calls about people who were just terrified of the pandemic, um, people who were anxious about going to work. Um, and it was the uncertainty of it that you don't know when it was going to end. And people um, were going to work with other people not um, adhering to the um, social distancing yeah. rules and that got them panicked and they felt they couldn't really express it as well and I, I could only imagine how stressful that must have been yeah. Um, so yeah um, I think there's a recent survey as well to say that um, there's quite a high percentage of GPs I can't remember how many percentage um, something like 86 percent want to say yeah. um that they feel that um, mental health problems is one of the major impacts out of the uh, covid pandemic yeah. that is going to continue um don't quote me on that because yeah. i i read it in passing and can't remember the exact statistics but but it's interesting what you said you know and 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 perhaps it'd be interesting to hear um, from yourself dr linda as well that that pre-existing condition of you say that you know people who are who are who are coming to the gp and talking about their own mental health is that's 40 percent. so 40 percent of the population that's an enormous number and it, it seems to it seems to it seems to us at psychic that that the pandemic has has brought a real focus and lens on not only talking about mental health but actual you know people realizing they've that in order to cope they you know in some respect they've got to come to terms with some of the maybe pre-existing um, um uh, worries uh, anxieties that they and you know and the way that they cope um, um is something that's really kind of come to the fore and really tested people um and it seems that when the pandemic res resides Okay. Yeah, in terms of in terms of we are we we open up and the lockdown restrictions decrease that those coping strategies are like you said are still going to be needed um because it has been frankly an enormous um, um uh, adjustment and, and intervention on our psychology that we just weren't expecting what, what do you think dr linda it's such a broad topic depression and anxiety that has been plaguing our uh, western society for such a long time um just you know, in 2017, 70 million antidepressants were prescribed. That's an enormous number. That's just in the UK. In just the UK? Yeah. So in terms of, a, you know, if you did that per population, that is almost like saying one member, you know, almost every person of the population, although that will obviously be multiple, multiple times. But it seems like, like you said, that's an enormous proportion of the population. There are only 60 million people in the yeah. UK and 70 million antidepressants have been prescribed in one year. Um, this just kind of shows the proportion of what, what the beast we are dealing with. Yeah. Um, and that's just increasing every year. And the interesting thing is, while the antidepressants are increasing, depression is increasing as well. Yeah, and it, it's, it, that, that doesn't make sense, right? Does it mean that, are, are, we, are we just papering over the issues? Exactly. We are. We are using medications um, to, well, to somehow find a response to this um, epidemic, uh, pandemic, actually, it's global or yeah. uh, uh, problem of depression. America is leading the way um, and then the UK uh, and other Western countries follow. And um, medications are a quick pill kind of solution at the moment when the per when the patient comes in to us here's a medication we did something about your problem 
I feel like I did something. You feel like you have received the service. So you can leave my office. I feel good. You feel good. But unfortunately, your problems are not getting better. Yeah. And we can see this globally. So we would expect if we prescribe so many medications, um, then the symptoms should be improving, mm. right? But the reason why the symptoms are not improving um, and patients are coming in for more medications um, is because we are not treating the root cause of the problem. Yeah. And, 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 for, and for both of your experiences, do you see some commonalities in those root causes? Because it seems to me that if pharmaceutical companies, but also governments are spending enormous amounts on, you know, in terms of the pharmaceutical sector that prescribes these, then surely a reallocation of those resources to some of the more fundamental, to address the fundamental causes would be money much better set, spent. And at the same time, everyone will just feel a bit happy and probably vote in that way as well. Absolutely. That is so well said, Grant. Sorry, I, I've, I get to my high horse about this. Sorry. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, just knowing that the antidepressants are not working, we have to look at what can we do to improve. And this is exactly why with Erica, we went into lifestyle medicine, where we mm. sub-specializing and looking at the root cause of the problems. For too long, we had been isolating our mental health from our bodies physically yeah. uh, in medicine, as well as when we look at the patient. So here's the head, the psychiatrist is treating this part. Yeah. Uh, we refer the patient to it and that's it. We are just looking at this, but this head is literally attached to your body. Mm. Um, there is a system, um, the connection between mind and body is through this very thick nerve called the vagus nerve. Yes. Yeah. And everything that we do uh, to our body is actually communicated to our brain um, and vice versa. So there's a, the new science called the gut brain axis, yeah. which actually shows that through the enteric nervous system, which is the nerves in our gut, uh, by what we eat, how we exercise, how we feel with each other, loneliness and relationships all of these things are actually affecting our mental health. Mm. So we have to attack our gut and the bacteria in our gut to be able to uh, then uh, affect our mental health. Mm. This is just mm. one one point. Mm. But I, I think you raise a really good point. And uh, Dr. Erica, I'd love to hear your view on this. It seems like what, what we do across a lot of subjects in society is that we, we try and reduce them and analyze them. I mean, that's a root of the word, the you know, analysis is about breaking things down into parts. And what we've seemed to have done in, in medicine, I'm not, and I, I maybe to say Western medicine, I don't know about Eastern, is we have, like you said, we have broken down our body into parts. And the way that people train, the way that people gain knowledge on those specific areas is, is linked to one specific area and therefore if you're a specialist who's trained for god knows how many years on the head on the mind but actually a lot of the root of the issue is let's say more holistic around like you know like you talked about the gut brain access then actually the way that we intervene the way that we find solutions to these problems is almost broken from the start yeah absolutely and you know like Linda said you know the the head and the body is separate it's not separate just like when we go to the hospital, um, you see different departments, gastroenterology, cardiology, mm. rheumatology, they're all being treated separately. And they, um, because the doctors in their own specialty are so good at what they do, um, sometimes they can neglect to think about the rest of, you know, whatever is happening. And you mm. can often get specialists who have 
contradictory views yeah. on certain you know subjects um, and it is time we stop thinking of the body as separate parts mm. but as a whole uh, you know being holistic and I think that is really important and this is why Linda and I are both so passionate about lifestyle medicine mm. and Dr. Dean Ornish talks about the unified theory and mm-hmm. um, about inflammation um, being the underlying sort of pathway for a multitude of diseases, any chronic diseases you can think of, like heart problems, um, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, diabetes. You might think of them as separate things, mm. but actually the underlying um, sort of disease process, it, it, there is a common pathway. Mm. And this includes mental health problems. And this is why we need to look at the body as a whole and whenever I have patients coming to me um, with the mental health issues, um, and often you get patients who just come in and say, <clears throat> I, I want some meds, I want some antidepressants. Mm. Um, and sometimes it is appropriate when they are, you know, very low. Um, but I won't just prescribe an antidepressant and say, mm. you know, there you go, this is it. We talk about you know, the body as a whole and antidepressant is just a piece of the puzzle. Um, and we need to look at their sleep, their yeah. um, physical activity level, um, what they're eating, the people they hang out with, um, their job, um, you know, relationships, are they lonely? Are they a carer for somebody? Um, and, some, you know, alcohol as well is a big yeah. one because a lot of people um, tend to drink to self-medicate, um, to sleep. A lot of people find it, oh, it helps me sleep, but um, actually the, it affects your sleep architecture. Mm. And also alcohol itself is a depressant. So when you take an antidepressant and you take a depressant yeah. at the same time, <laughs> it kind of cancels out and it doesn't yeah. really make sense. Um, so absolutely, the, we need to consider the body as a whole um, and not, not look at mental health um issues as a separate thing um and it's not just one thing that can fix everything it's mm. not just you know i eat healthier and that's going to change everything eating mm. healthy is a super important aspect but also the exercise the sleep the you know the relationship and everything, everything. together and it's it's really interesting i mean um i think uh, dr linda you 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 spoke about addressing like those root causes and 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 dr Everett about pulling all those parts together and do you see when people are you know when you're talking to people in regard depression anxiety but mental health you know issues disorders um do you I'm trying to work out what I'm going to say. Do you see some commonalities there? Because one thing that, you know, I've experienced on this podcast is that I've had a series of, let's say, 40 conversations. And that's 40 hours worth of, of basically, of, of, of hearing about people's mental health. And there's a lot of commonalities that how people actually do cope, we found. And actually, a lot of those, you know, you could probably put a bucket of 10 activities that most people do or could benefit from that would help. Do you see some commonalities in terms of the root causes of some of this the depression and anxiety across the broad population like you said just prescribing antidepressants isn't working what other things could be done and maybe simple things that would enable that to kind of make a real impact absolutely um the commonalities are 
are common because uh, we are human. And as Erica said, the mechanisms which underline our well-being overall mental and physical body are the same. Mm. So um, what happened in the Western world, uh, we have to look at it from zooming out and epidemiologically to see what happened to us to see that why is depression, anxiety on the rise? Yeah. So the first problem is that uh, we have lost our values. Mm. So without values and purpose, the values are more and more uh, marketed that you have to have a lot of money to make it, mm. that you have to excel at your job to certain level. And once you get there often, or once people make the money, they realize that they are completely empty. So they start searching again. And that is because our value system has crushed around us. Uh, we have isolated into small families, into nuclear mm. families. We have pushed away our grandparents. And that generational uh, wisdom, let's say, has been lost. Mm. Grandparents are isolated into nursing homes. Uh, children and um, single um, small nuclear families, mother, father, and a child or two mm. children living without the grandparents. They don't have that wisdom and that caring, that nurturing love. And the grandparents are not getting that, um, that need to express themselves in their longer, older age. So they have no purpose any longer. Yeah, yeah. So this is a huge problem in every generation. By losing our families, we have lost our, 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 our ways mm. uh, as a society. And we have to remember that humans are um, social animals. We cannot live live alone. So, can, so, sorry, carry on, please. So just we can see that in a lot of studies that we have to back this now, the loneliness is actually um, as harmful as smoking 15 cigarettes a day on our system. Mm -hmm. So um, it with, without uh, having that structure around us, we are already having a huge problem. So mm -hmm. this is one of the problems, societal problems. Second, our value system that we are putting more importance on how much money we make, how many cars we have bought, mm -hmm. how many houses do we have. But no matter how many you have, you can only yeah. enjoy one at a time. Mm -hmm. So we are uh, spending a lot of money on uh, our clothing um, and a lot of things that don't feed the soul. Mm -hmm. So we spend a lot of time working towards something that actually doesn't give back to us. Mm -hmm. And, and do you find, because I, I think that's, that's fascinating and fundamentally what it comes down to, and I think this is something that we've, 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 we've considered, you know, we thought about a lot before, is that the kind of the, as societies become more individualistic um, in general, and, it's, it's, and especially as we moved into cities and, and it becomes a bit, you know, very competitive and it's about what I've got or what you've got and then what us as a family unit have and what, you know, what everyone else has, that kind of, I suppose that thought pattern is pervasive across across society and i think that's really interesting almost in some respects it's almost like a, a negative thought pattern that is not nourishing like you said your soul and yet uh, dr erica i'd, I'd lo lo love to hear love to hear your view on that as well and it's you know that kind of i suppose that moving from a individualistic way of doing things and um, maybe the pandemic has taught us something that actually god we need some connection and actually reaching out to our parents and our grandparents actually is actually really important not just for us but 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 for them as well and how do we move to a more kind of community-based way of living you know I, I i used to work over in nigeria 
And that's very, very collective based, very family based, very community based. And it's something which, which didn't resonate with me, but I kind of could really see the value of it. Do you see other places, countries, you know, organized in a way that would be more appropriate for our mental health? Um, I can't say I've, I've, you know, looked into that too much, mm. but obviously in society where, you know, families are still living together, like you said, in Nigeria or in India, mm. and, and I, I am, you know, Chinese, uh, mm. and our families are still, you know, fairly tightly knit, and um, the, you know, families would come together, drop, you know, whatever they're doing, if somebody needs help mm. um and um when when you have that support and you know that you're going to get that support no matter what that it, i think that is really important and what i see um very often in in gp is patients who really have no support network um and it's it is a struggle, especially when they're a single mom, they have no support network, they're estranged from their family. I mean, I work in um, an area where there is a lot of social issues um, and I see this very often and people literally have nobody to turn to. Um, and that is really isolating, mm. whether you're young, whether you're old, um, you know, um, 90 year olds living on their own with no family nearby um, and you know their kids in other countries or whatever and then um, young parents with no help this I see on a day-to-day -day basis um, and when you are that isolated with no support you, it is hard to then take time take a step back think about you know what you're eating yeah. um, do I have time to go and exercise? Mm -hmm. Do I have money to buy nutritious food? I mean, it doesn't have to be expensive, mm -hmm. but sometimes you go for the easiest option because you have no time. So a microwavable meal might be a better option for you when you have no time and have you know, three kids to look after and you're yeah. on your own. Um, and you, you, know, you don't think about whether you have time to go out into nature and see some mm -hmm. greenery um, uh, which has, again, been shown to be really helpful for our mental health. Um, I think studies have shown that um, the natural uh, recurring patterns in nature called fractals um, yeah. have been shown to reduce people's stress level by up to 60%. And in Just our, by observing them? Yeah, by seeing these natural patterns, leaves and things. So I, I used to take my patients, I, Linda has as well, used to take our patients out on, on walks in, um, I, I went to parks because that, that was what I had. Um, Linda's really lucky in the Peak District's got really lovely places to go to. Um, and she, she took patients out before the pandemic um, on you know walks in nature. And this is really, really important. Mm. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, to so the, the fundamental question that must be, that's screaming in my mind, and obviously for yours as well, it's like, We've had hundreds, if not thousands of years of progress. Why are we not doing anything about this mental health crisis? Or are we? Is it too big a problem? And how do we even start to solve this? And by the way, I don't expect, you know, solutions, <laughs> both of you, because it's a rhetorical question. How do we tackle this? And what can we do to perhaps, if we can't tackle it, cope in the meantime? 
yes, it is a, a great question. And uh, personally, I've been thinking about this for quite a while. Um, my background is that uh, I traveled, I, I'm seen through quite a lot of cultures. So mm -hmm. I was born in the USSR, Russia, mm -hmm. we went through Ukraine, uh, Hungary, and um, went into the West, uh, uh, America, and from America, went back to Slovakia, and here I am in the UK. Right, yeah. So this a lot of change. Uh, well, this transition through cultures um, mm -hmm. have given me an observational value where I can see that, first of all, the importance of uh, unity is um, has been lost for for individual progression, which is great because if you're an individual and you have the means in this mm -hmm. nuclear way, you're able to progress much further, right? Because you don't have to deal with the past. Mm. You don't have to care for your grandparents. You can only uh, have the you only have need the energy to further yourself as an individual. Um, so seeing that certainly has the pros and cons. Mm. But um, the big question is, um, as you asked, what can we do to improve uh, what with what we have right now? So we have a big problem where we are isolated, but we might be able to reconnect uh, by recognizing these problems. Mm. Um, so literally just accepting that they exist. Yes. Number one is recognition is the problem. What is the problem? And the solution is not a pill. So if you keep prescribing medications, the problem here is that the patient comes in with a symptom, right? So you have emotions, you have emotions, you have feelings. Actually, let's go back to if we look at the individual, we, we have no um, mechanisms to realize empathy. What do you feel? And can I ask you, um, when you when you were growing up and through your culture, have you learned how to express different emotions and what they mean? I no, I I think I I I it's I suppose it's been self-taught because I recognised that I wasn't able to do that, and I certainly don't feel that it was ever taught to me, or I never spoke about it you know emotions feelings and, and perhaps perhaps this is british culture you know we do have the you know the brits do have a bad name for keeping feelings and emotions pressed down um but no i i don't i don't think we do you know i think i still struggle if someone says are you feeling anxious i still struggle with it. i don't really know what anxiety means or feels mm, and let's go back a little bit even more anxiety what what do you think about the basic empathies of yeah. first of all love and emotion within that emotion how many emotions can you actually name yeah. anger anger yeah. let's see yeah. we have anger how else can we feel joyful okay uh, excitement um uh, happy mm -hmm. sad i am trying to reel off Kluchak's uh theory of emotion here by the way uh so i'm i but i think i'm struggling from then on like you know all these other emotions like anticipation and things like that i've got no idea what they mean exactly so i would invite you and the listeners to actually start learning from first you because yeah. you as you said you can't um change the world but what you can is to take back control yeah that's and a very very good point Okay, so first of all, you have to learn what your emotions mean. Okay, so simple example, emotions um, 
are feelings that require neurological response. Um, so I'm just gonna find one second um, to... And whilst Linda's doing yeah, that, please. just on, on her point of, you know, what you can do is take back control. And mm. this is what lifestyle medicine is about, is giving you control. And I think in, in how we practice medicine these days, um, a lot of the times we're taking control away from patients. Mm. Um, we give the medications for their symptoms, mm. which sometimes is absolutely needed. Um, but what, you know, sometimes what we fail at is to address the root cause, like mm. we have been talking about. Um, and with lifestyle medicine and talking about these different lifestyle changes, um, as we have mentioned many times, physical activity, nutrition, you know, sleep, uh, relationship, all of these things, it gives you back control mm. because you have control over it. You're not just, you know, doing what the doctor said to do is to mm. take a pill and you don't know what, you know, your response to the pill. Yes, they've done studies, but by actually altering your own lifestyle, you, you are empowered and you are in control of what you can do to change what's happening mm. inside your body just to just to kind of kind of extend that kind of logic further because it's something so at psychic we fully believe in everything you're saying in terms of help you know taking back control helping you help yourself one of the things we found especially when 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 developing our, our app is that in order for people to be in a psychological state to be able to help themselves and i think you put it well they need to be empowered how do you how do you help people who are in a disempowered state through no fault of their own but perhaps like you said they have no social connection they have very difficult lives and they aren't able they don't have the confidence and the capability to even take a moment and say you know i'm going to address this issue because frankly if someone said you know you know people know they're lonely they might not admit it but they know it but it's you know you can admit to yourself i'm lonely but it's really difficult to change that right yeah so as you meant like your work is fantastic for that we have to have resources uh, and right now because of this individualistic world those uh, resources that would come from the wisdom of the elderly will have to come from outside and mm. that's like platforms like yourself mm. and on afternoon tea that's exactly why we have created afternoon tea so every sunday we can actually connect with our yeah. patients talk to them and to create communities so we have to find ways of, of creating those communities for ourselves. And nowadays, more and more social media is translating into a positive force. Um, and um, just to go back to empathy, I think before, before anybody can do anything about themselves, they, yes, first have to realize what's the situation that they are in. To see, I'm lonely. I don't have anyone. Mm. I need to create a structure around myself. Mm. That's one. Then you regain control because now you know what the problem is. But the second one is I, I don't think anybody can move forward without understanding what their feelings mean. Mm, yeah. And this is where empathy and the and the, the words that describe feelings are so important. Because if you can describe a feeling, then you can explain to yourself what's happening. But without those tools, you're actually just in this in this 
chaos in this mm. all the feelings are coming at you yeah. anger shame um um all, um all these emotions that are action requiring neurological programs mm. damasio said this a neuroscientist and i was just looking up the book so that you have Please, um, you. self comes to mind con uh, constructing the conscious brain so emotions are action requiring neurological programs. So if you are angry all day long and I tell you to go for a run, what are you going to do? Tell me to off, mm, right? Mm. It's normal. So that's why first and foremost, if first, if you really need help, you have to uh, help from a, a healthcare professional. Um, but if you're not in that dangerous time, I would invite you to learn about your emotions through mm. the um, language of emotion by Carla McLaren. Um, she actually describes all the emotions and what they mean. So, for example, if you feel angry, right, what would you think? What does, what does that mean? What do you do with this anger? Yeah, well, I suppose, I mean, yeah, I suppose for me a lot of anger would be would be dealt with by something very physical and you know it might be exercise it might be something to kind of almost release the pressure of of that anger but i think even i you know who's you know would recognize that that doesn't kind of solve the underlying kind of issue of why i'm angry in the first place it just enables you to kind of manage and cope with it and frankly if someone says oh you know you know and, and, and like you were saying about defining anger i mean what's anger well anger is when i feel angry oh, i mean that's a probably the worst definition you know it's, t it's textbook like never define what you're trying to say with the word in it like you know i've got no idea what anger means like rage i'm just going to tell you other words that mean angry right <laughs> i would love to invite you to actually uh look into this because it's I'm, a, I'm writing it down now language of emotion yeah. <laughs> a language of emotion by carla mclaren so just think about this definition emotions how you feel are action requiring neurological programs so something happens to you they start nagging you physically you want to turn away and remove that that dagger right yeah somebody starts every day annoying you with something in in your world in your work environment right they um your boss is is nagging you about something but you have respect for him and you don't recognize that he's making you angry you don't make the connection mm. you come home you start being irritated at home that you translate into your family yeah so mm. now you have disrespected your family that makes you even more um something is you feel something inside so something is happening around you that's causing you to feel this so you have to recognize what is causing you to feel this because this anger is telling you something is wrong. Mm. So you have to eliminate those things from your environment yeah. or respond to it with respect by saying, I feel this way. I have to step back and see, actually address your boss. So this is an example. You ignore him for a year, right? Mm. What happens to you? You, you start losing respect for yourself mm. because the person needs to feel respect through what you do. So every day you're being bullied, you're being bullied. You don't stand up for yourself. You isolate yourself. You keep your feelings at home about the person who has been irritating you. You go home, you give it off to your wife and kids. Mm. That makes yeah. you feel even worse. So the cycle, so what is the solution? Mm. The solution is to make you feel respectful 
for mm. yourself. How can you do that? You walk up to your boss and politely you tell the boss, boss, you make me feel like this because this is what you do to me. Mm. The boss then doesn't feel like you are attacking him. Yeah. He has to hear you like, oh my God, I make you feel like that. Well, what yeah, can you do about that? I, but just to interject there, I do know some people who would probably say, I don't care. But they do. Well, yeah, no, I agree with you. They do care privately, but when you're trying to have that dialogue you know like you said like you 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 want to experience that empathy that someone is is respectfully kind of appreciating what what you what you do and i think like you said the first step is to acknowledge that and to say that but if you haven't got the you know the response that you want like I, you know i suppose the next thing is to try and is to try and get that you know try and solve the problem in another way very often though you will notice if you do create these conversations yeah. that people respond because they are human yeah, they don't true. want to cause this problem around you mm. and it's often because you can translate those words the right way you attack yeah. and then they yeah. say attack you back yeah yeah but a nice way to say it is uh, you make me feel that means i feel this way not because mm. you've done anything wrong but maybe i'm feeling wrong because i misunderstood you yeah right but you can only do that if you start to understand that a feeling shame you're shameful for yourself because you didn't stand up for yourself mm. what does it mean and you respond but yeah. you can only do that if you if you have a vocabulary for your feelings and an yeah. understanding what those feelings mean i think it starts with oneself so but, it, but it's still i mean i agree with all of that but taking that step back to what we were talking about dr erica about Okay, if you are in a disempowered state and you do not have the confidence or the capability to approach your boss, you don't have the courage, you don't have the, you know, because it requires, I mean, that's a big step to approach someone who is in a position of power and you could go, this is how I'm feeling. And I mean, I can, you know, you, you, you can imagine going into the city and let's say a financial institution in surrounded by kind of red blooded British males who don't feel a thing or claim they don't feel a thing. There's difficult conversations to have, like how do we get to a state of empowerment? So we are able to, go from a state where we are feeling where we're feeling we can't cope there's no hope we've got no confidence we can't do this to a state where we can and I think that's the thing how do we go from a state of I can't to I can because that seems to me that once you've got that right then people can start to move forward and gain momentum but until that point there's a massive brick wall yeah um and you know we've been talking about us taking back control and feeling empowered and as you said you know some people are so disempowered that they don't even know where to start yeah. um gaining that power back and taking that control back um and um there was a quote that i heard this morning was the biggest limiting belief is that you are limited mm. and I think that is so true um and um yes you, you know we it we can go from I can't to I can if you know you know where to look when you have no clue where to look mm. I think education comes into it yeah. you know the bigger picture um what you know the government comes into it public health comes into it um and it's um and this whole shift happens on an individual level and a societal level. Yeah. Um, and I think 
because that's maybe what you were getting at when people are so disempowered that actually yeah we get to look at the root cause and raising public awareness of things Mm -hmm. and it's not shameful to admit that you're lonely you know when um yes it, it people can I get patients ringing me, telling me that they're lonely and that is okay. When I bring them for a simple medication review or something like that, I ask them, how are you feeling in the pandemic? And they're like, oh, you know, why, you know, somebody's taking the time to listen to me and, you know, wondering how I'm feeling because there is no shame in feeling lonely. And it is a problem. It's not just a random feeling that you, you know, it is an issue. Like Linda said, this has been shown to be as bad as smoking 15 cigarettes on your health. Um, And it is a serious problem. Um, Mental health problems. I think we have been raising a lot more awareness around mental health issues and people are starting to speak up about mental health issues. There is still work to be done because there are still people who feel like this is uh, a taboo you know, subject, or if I admit that I have a mental health problem, I am weak. Um, And the truth is that 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 is not the case. Um, And we know that from looking, you know, the work that Linda and I both do and looking um, through evidence that we have, there is so many factors contributing to our mental health and somebody being weak, it's, it's, Mm. it's not, it's not a cause, but you know, to give you an example, sleep, a lack of sleep is associated with major depression, bipolar, seasonal affective disorder, um, premenstrual syndrome. And it even increases the risk of you developing PTSD if you have experienced trauma. Um, and you know, uh, we talked about nature already and how it you know reduces um your stress level and physical activity also has been shown to reduce depression by as high as 48 percent and in our society where we're sitting all the time having this sedentary lifestyle no wonder that more and more people are experiencing mental health problems and even to the food that we eat um you know fast food highly processed foods um it's been shown to increase, um, where is it? Yeah, they're 40% more likely to develop depression. And yet these are the foods that are so easily accessible. And cheap, they're the cheapest foods out there. Exactly, exactly. Um, And so, you know, all of these things contribute and as doctors, we contribute to it too, unfortunately, because we are prescribing medications that, can contribute to mood problems and we talked about antidepressants and antidepressants um the most common antidepressants we prescribe here in the uk and i think in the us so the first lines are ssris the common ones being citalopram fluoxetine sertraline um you probably have heard of them Mm, yeah yeah i i know many people who are on them like those i I think yeah two out of three are very common that from what i've i've heard Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and one in only one in eight people see benefits from it and two-thirds of the people will experience side effects from from um these ssris and what are the common side effects if you look at our drug formulary the bnf um 
which isn't marketed on the Citalopram box, let's be honest. Sorry? It's not marketed on the Citalopram box, what those side effects are, let's be honest. So this, um, the first side effect, common side effect listed is anxiety. Um, impaired con concentration, depersonalization, headaches, memory issues, um, sleep, dis um, sleep disorder, um, and things like that. And these are already symptoms that you might have been experiencing with your existing mental health issues, mm. and you might be contributing it yeah. to it further with the medications. Not to say that they're not useful in some cases, um, but we need, as I said uh, multiple times, we need to look at the person as a whole and yeah. not just plug you with this medication mm. and hope for the best. Mm. Um, and uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. And also other medications that we prescribe contribute to uh, low mood as well. Um, and many medications that we prescribe, such as, you know, for acne, isotretinoin. Um, and we have lots of people taking that medication and they all have to be counseled on depression, suicidal risks. Uh, Varenicolin, which helps people stop smoking. And so this is completely re not related to what you would consider mental health. Yeah, it, but they all contribute. They all contribute. And, yeah, yeah, and varenicline yeah. also uh, can contribute to, uh, it's known to be associated with depression. Mm. Steroid tablets that we often prescribe for multiple conditions, mm. lung disease, uh, you know, joint disease, and many, many, again, gut problems, many, many more. That is also known to be associated with um, depression. Um, many heart medications, blood pressure medications may contribute too. I think mm. the, the evidence on that is not as strong, but there is some evidence to show um, that they can contribute. Mm. Even contraceptives that we use, mm. the progesterone, the hormone progesterone can also contribute to people feeling you know, low, having mood swings. Um, and in, you know, uh, rodent studies, they have shown that benzodiazepine, mm -hmm. um, you know, the class of drugs that uh, diazepam and things yeah. like that come under, that actually in the brain reduces your serotonin level. Yeah. Um, and yet we have lots of patients who are anxious, who would come in asking for these drugs. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as, as clinicians, we have the duty to educate yeah. um, our patients about this um, and raise awareness around it. So, you know, from all these examples that I have listed, you can see that, you know, being weak, admitting that you have mental health problems, a lot of things, they are much bigger on a societal level that mm. have contributed mm. because of our lifestyle, how society is now contributes to how we live our lives. Mm. And that then in turn affect what is happening inside of our body, mm. um, the degree of inflammation that we're experiencing, and therefore, you know, mental health problems start to mm. manifest. Um, and time and time again, we have said, you know, body and head, they are connected. Yeah. And some people are still shocked to find that. And yeah. one, you know, simple thing, um, when you then kind of use this example, people are like, oh, yes, maybe they are connected is, mm. you know, when you talk about people going into an exam or going into a job interview or going on their first day, you feel a bit anxious, you feel nervous, yeah. you get butterfly in your stomach. Mm. That is a physical symptom. Mm. 
and that your mental state is related to your physical symptoms um and that goes with a, a lot of you know other symptoms that's why you get the palpitations you get you know you get sweaty and things yeah. like that um so the body and the mind are definitely not disconnected yeah um and we need to join the dots and, and it, the person as a whole and you've really you've really kind of hit it home with kind of you know listing that kind of you know the range of medicines which you know you would consider that 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 you know that they're there to treat something something you know let's say on your hand compared to how you're feeling and actually the the impact that that could have on your mood is something that we don't recognize and reinforces what both of you are saying you, you know talk about you know we need to kind of treat ourselves more holistically and i'll be interested um dr linda like you've um you've you, you both started afternoon tea with docs um the more conversations that you have with people are you seeing some kind of common kind of cheap free tools tips and techniques that can really really help people um if okay i showed the caveat as if they are in an empowered state um to be able to kind of start to really take back control and and help themselves Absolutely. So the lifestyle principles and, for example, a psychiatrist, uh, Dr. Charlotte Marriott, uh, who is using the lifestyle principles, who is treating very severe psychiatric uh, problems with these principles, uh, they are cheap, free, completely. Um, so if you go through them um, one by one, what you can do. One, one of the things, as you said, about uh, if you are empowered enough. So it's very hard to empower yourself. You have mm. to take tools from outside to empower you. So if you're, let's say, the worst case scenario, you're completely alone, you have nothing and no one, right? Um, what can you do? So uh, number one, um, you have to get yourself out of the environment, which causes this problem. Mm. Even if you just go out, um, let's not complicate it. You just go out every day in the morning for a 10 minute walk. Okay, you're getting from outside signals from the environment, positive signals mm. um, from the sunshine, from nature, um, forest walks, forest bathing uh, has been shown mm. to help to change the, uh, the um, serotonin and dopamine release. Mm. So it's like medication input onto you rather than you having to sit at home and meditate and doing things that are yeah. really hard when you are not empowered. So I would love to invite um, anyone who is in a rot basically at home right now to make it a habit, even if it's hard initially, it's not so hard to just go out into nature for 10 minutes. It has been shown that 20 minutes in nature has the same effects as one antidepressant pill. 20 minutes in nature releases the same serotonin positive hormones as a pill. Now the pharmaceutical companies don't tell you that, do they? No, it's it's my have, God, that's amazing. Yeah, so serotonin really is the same amount, but it but the caveat to that is that you don't have any side effects. Yeah, you only have good side effects to it. So one thing with my family, what we do with my father and my partner is that whenever we feel low and we feel like we don't feel going out and, you know, when you are depressed or something, mm. you kind of just want to bundle up at home and not do anything. Yeah. So when I feel that way, it's exactly when I need to get on my bike and go outside within 10 minutes, that feeling will go away. Mm. Not only that, the uh, effects of exercise, as Erica mentioned, <clears throat> has been shown to be. Sorry, Linda, can I just interject there? Um, and what Linda said was so important there. She recognizes 
that she's feeling low. And I yeah. think people don't, they, they are not in touch with themselves enough to know, mm. you know, what they're feeling, just like Alinda was saying earlier about, you know, understanding your own emotions. Mm. Um, and when you don't recognize it, you just kind of cover it up, you know, carry on and hope for the best. And that, um, yeah, that's, that's not going to work, right? That's not going to work. Yeah. No matter where you are or how intelligent you are, these things will add up. If you don't mm. take care of your mental health, it's not going to take care of you. Mm. So you have to recognize where you are in your body, sit with it. And very often I advise my patients to take a piece of paper and start writing. Just mm. write how you feel. And yeah. that conversation, the dialogue with a piece of paper is very honest. Mm. Because and you're talking... And it's private as well, isn't it? You can write whatever you want and then you can scrunch it up and throw it away or burn it. No one's ever going to see it. That is actually, you just hit on the nail. Carla McLaren, the empathy mm. teacher, gives you this exact advice. Write it down, scrunch it up. And if you feel you want to get rid of it, throw it away. This mm. physical movement creates yeah. in your brain a real connection. So that's one thing, nature. Mm. Remove mm. yourself from the environment that is causing the problem and every day make it a thing that you go out for at least a 10-minute walk in your park or somewhere. If you can, increase that to exercise. That means you increase your heart rate to 180 beats per minute. Yeah. At least for 10 minutes. But even four minutes will give you the trick. Okay? okay? Four minutes. Run up the stairs twice. Yeah. That's all you need to do to get that boost, that mm. adrenaline boost, to flip you out of that kind of rot, you know what I mean. Okay, so you actually need to, so you want to raise that heart rate to, a, to 180, which is like going for a pretty fast run, isn't it? Like, so, so you actually have got to raise it. So, for example, going for a walk or a jog isn't going to get you there. Uh, you, do, you don't necessarily have to raise it to 180 minutes because it depends on where your starting point is. Yeah, no, the starting point is the same, really, because for anybody, for you, the 180 will be completely different than for me. Oh, okay, 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 cool. So yeah. Your 180, which is the 220 minus your age, that's, okay. that's the point where things change. So if you can get that up for you, for me, maybe it will be because I cycle 40 kilometers mm. every second day. For me, it will be a much, you know, I, I have to, I have to cycle much harder, yeah. but for, for somebody who has been sedentary, as Erica said, it's different for them. You, for you, it's just run up the stairs. If you haven't done anything in your life for the last five years, yeah. run up the stairs twice and do it every day. Mm. Create a habit out of it. Yeah. And, it, and and it's not about getting fit, is it? It's it's nothing about fitness. This is about getting that head right. This is just about yeah. the mind. That's interesting. That to move, our body was created to move. If yeah. it doesn't move, it dies. Yeah, <laughs> it goes yeah, into depression. Yeah. It hides away and it dies. Mm. You have to keep moving. Yeah. So one is nature. If you can combine nature with moving, that's what I do. I go cycle in nature with someone mm. I love. Okay, so that's my perfect equation. Mm. Um, I say no to things so I can go and do that. This is, that's the third thing you have to realize when you can say no. Yeah, so if something is not important to your mental health and your well-being, you have to say no so you have the time to do things that is feeding your soul. Mm. And not just that, but recognizing things that negatively impact on your mental health. 
and people yeah, yeah, who negatively yeah. impact on your mental health. And that's a hard one, isn't it, sometimes? Because so- sometimes these people, you know, you've known for a long time. You have, but you have to recognize it. And at least even if you don't remove yourself from that environment, recognize it and threshold. Create a yeah. threshold between you and the person, meaning I recognize you're harming me. I'm not going to engage with this onto the emotional level where I have done in the past. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so, so actually in some respects, you don't need, you know, you know, in that particular instance, you, if you recognize that someone in your, in your life is being, you know, is causing negativity, you don't need to just cut them off, but you just need to manage it in some respects. Exactly. But yeah. again, that comes to writing it down, recognizing yeah. this person is harming me. I am not gaining anything from this person. Yeah. So I can just cut my emotions in a way that is healthy for you and that environment. And always I would recommend to say, you make me feel it's, I found it to be mm. very useful in my professional practice as well mm. as with my friends and family. You make me feel. When you mentioned about, uh, you know, uh, red blooded um, Londoners, uh, <laughs> I would say that that kind of environment doesn't happen that much. I'm more talking yeah. about people who are right next to you. Yeah. And not only about the boss, but about, you know, some, sometimes your friends are making you upset. And instead of talking to them, especially in Britain, I noticed they just shut down. Yeah. Nothing, no emotion, turn around and then talk about you. Yeah. And often don't make eye eye contact either. We just look down. Absolutely no eye contact, not even in emotional period. When you're in love and infatuated, you want to look in the person eye and feel it and be okay with it. Mm. And when you feel upset, also say, well, actually you made me feel sad Mm. or you made me so happy. And tell them that you are beautiful, wonderful, mm. express mm. emotions. But what I would like to say is that the pillars where I said nature, you can take control 10 minutes in nature a day. Mm. Everybody can do it. If they can, that means they're not prioritizing their well-being. Second, a bit of boost of heart rate. Walking is good, but I would recommend to add that exercise in. Mm-hmm. Um, quick one, not much. Or just dance at home. Put yeah. the music on and start the zumba put yeah. some high energy <laughs> in okay it doesn't have to be complicated while you're cleaning sometimes i choose to clean under music and you know yeah or just clean the- really fast right <laughs> yeah clean fast and you know that it's the same effect and the heart goes up the third thing is the gut brain brain axis that we mm. talked about and highly recommend reading if you can, but the psychobiotic revolution, uh, they are the leaders in Ireland and the, in the world from Ireland, Cork University in um, uh, the gut brain axis. Okay. How what we eat and as Erica mentioned that patient, people, patients who eat uh, um, processed food are 40% more uh, likely yeah. to develop depression is because mm. of the gut brain axis. Mm. Your, your gut bacteria actually uh, release called uh, butyrate. It's an anti-inflammatory. If you eat processed food, the bifidobacterium, which releases this butyrate, actually dies out. Mm. This bacteria dies. So if you eat um, uh, processed foods, the bacteria that could release happy hormones will die out. Mm. So you can regain the power by eating more fiber. Mm. More fiber from plants, uh, from grains, um, and whole foods that Mm. are not processed foods. 
So right now we know that most of the Western world is, eat, is eating fast food and a lot of processed cookies, milk, dairy, yeah. a lot of these things. Instead of eating real food, uh, which is, um, you know, real food, mm. <laughs> apples, pears, mm. um, cucumbers, mm. a lot of dark greens, none of these foods are in your homes nowadays. Mm. So increasing the fiber intake from these uh, sources uh, from 10 grams a day to at least 30 grams will actually release the happy hormones through mm. your gut. Yeah. So you will get empowered every day by choosing the right things. Even if you're depressed and not, not in the right mindset, mm. you can slowly shift what you eat. Yeah. So that's super important to increase your food, yeah. real food intake and saying no to McDonald's and saying no to, you know, KFC. And, um, and instead of eating Vitabix in the morning, eat a real grains. Mm. um and oat milk oat, oats with oat milk a lot mm. of blueberries and raspberries mm. those things you can do immediately today yeah. to get empowered yeah and, and yeah like you said and yeah and you can you can literally go to the shops and make a choice not to get that microwave meal if you've got the time because that's near you know, dr erica that's what you were saying like you know uh, someone who is has 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 no kind of you know social connections outside of their three kids they are looking them after on their own and they've got no time you know you, you can see that how you've got to find a balance and you know uh, you know and perhaps perhaps the solution is you know if you are relying on on ready meals and you don't and you honestly don't have the time to do that then there are healthier ready meals out there and actually trying to find you know tr tr trying to find things that work for you because i think dr linda you put it in a really nice way finding your own equation yes right? and also if you just think about what often you eat a cracker or like a bag of chips you don't need time to change that to an apple. No, true. Although you I do know. love a pack of crisps, but you're so. But you're right, though. That 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 that. that, that Those are the choices you are making, yeah. right? Yeah. But knowing the science behind it, how empowering it is. Yeah. When you know how powerful it is by changing the microbiota in your gut. Yeah. Then, if you you know you really know it, then you are like, I can say no to the crisp. Yeah because I know it's going to make me feel better. But also at the same time, if you do want the crisp, because because I found at the same time that you have a bag of crisps. And sometimes I have a bag of crisps and go, God, I feel terrible. I feel low, whatever. Sometimes I have a bag of crisps. I feel great. But in some respects, you've got to acknowledge that, okay, I'm going to have a pack of crisps. It's not going to be good for me. There is a likely chance, you know, like Dr. Eka, like we talk about those side effects, there's likely a chance of me going to feel average later, but I'm going to make a decision whether I'm going to do that or not. And kind of kind of embracing that decision. Because, you know, what we're not advocating for is everyone just to kind of, just to, you know, basically become model holistic beings, but going back that step and saying, okay, acknowledge your feelings, label your feelings, understand your feelings, and know that what you're putting into you has an impact on your head. And, and, and make, make a judgment. This is what afternoon tea results is there for mm. we're we're not here to preach people to live you know the idealistic lifestyle yeah. or whatever we're here to provide that information mm. so that you can make that informed decision for yourself which is empowering yes yeah. <laughs> because i think what we did as doctors and what we are passionate about is we removed that uh, knowledge from our patients mm. instead of explaining to you that you have the choice to make that uh, make you feel better through this food we are mm. saying yeah eat your crisp but here's a medication and we, you will feel better yeah 
but we can see from these statistics that you don't. Mm -hmm. So the point is to empower you to choose when you feel like it mm -hmm. and knowing that actually that apple will make you feel so much better. Yeah. Uh, just recognizing it, then you can make your own decision on what is appropriate for you. Yeah. But it's not fair that we remove that power from you by not telling you the, the science behind things. Mm -hmm. And that's evidence-based. Well, I mean, I, 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 think, I think my final question, um, um, perhaps Dr. Erica, you can, you, you can start is, and maybe it's a fundamental one, yourselves as doctors, or both of you, yourselves as doctors have have gone through your medical training. You are now focused, you say, on A&E, on GP. But you have, on the side, gone and started afternoon tea with docs, which suggests to me that, and I think everything that you've been saying is that what we are doing within medicine, in perhaps the UK only, I can only comment on, is not enough. And do you, do you see, is there a fundamental recognition of that, that actually when we start to train doctors who are just coming in, starting university now and doing their medical degrees, that actually they are taking a more holistic view? Are, are these things changing? Slowly. <laughs> um, I think there is, you know, there is a change in that direction. It is slow. Um, and, uh, but I think the newer generation of medical students are a lot more aware mm. of you know the lifestyle factors that we talked about um but when you talk to more experienced clinicians sometimes um this may be dismissed as you know common sense mm. or yeah, you yeah. know basic or um it, you know it's not scientific but the truth is it, it is scientific it is evidence-based um, and there is a growing, you know, body of evidence. But it's interesting that we even need evidence to prove this. Yeah. <laughs> this is something that we have been doing for, you know, so long mm. before, you know, calling it, you know, modern medicine comes into play mm. and our modern lifestyle came into play. Mm. Um, this is, you know, something that we were just doing anyway. Yeah. Um, and, and because of all these other factors, now we we need research to prove that that was actually a better way yeah yeah and but and it seems like you said i think dr linda your example about choosing the apple over the crisp like it doesn't take a rocket scientist to work out that the apple is probably going to be better for me but like you said if we if we're stuck in a loop where we need to prove that and you know show by you know that there's a reasonable you know beyond a reasonable level of doubt or suspicion or evidence that that is actually the case that's something that is going to take time to change but it does seem like from the, from 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 conversation with yourselves that there is hope which is great in a pan, you know in, in a pandemic one thing i've lacked is hope and actually speaking to both of you has made me i suppose it's i suppose it's probably empowered me uh, i'm and i think if there's something that's kind of sprung to mind is that throughout the conversations we've been having i think you know there'd be some responses where you've mentioned something and i'm i'm like i can't i can't i can't and that's just a negative thought saying i can't i think what i'm going to decide to do and perhaps everyone every morning every morning that stand in front of the mirror look at yourself and say i can out loud i can i can i can i can yeah. i can the more you say that the more I'm you convince yourself you know i'm worth it i'm worth yeah. to feel better and what I want to say is that I'm limitless. Yeah, I, I am. Also, <laughs> also, I think after 15 years of medicine training and so on, it becomes very easy for us to say, bingo. You know, I see patients coming with chronic diseases every single day in E&E at the moment of life and death. For mm -hmm. me, it's very clear that what we are doing is wrong. Mm -hmm. 
we, we need to add to the medicine and to the surgeries that are life-saving. We need to add the lifestyle approach yeah. to teach our patients what brings them into this problem mm. and treat them with medication for short term while we optimize their lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So as a medical professional, our responsibility is to bring the clarity into this because there's too much marketing that is teaching our kids and our friends and family yeah. what to eat. So our dietitians and nutritionists, since we are born, mm-hmm. is marketing. Yeah. So it's not okay. And we are very passionate about it. And we're going to say it loud and clear that there is lifestyle changes that once you take control, we want to make you feel that it's empowering you, yeah. not removing your crisps and your food that you are addicted to because you were made to feel that so with marketing you started eating this right yeah we started doing things in a certain way what happens is your palate changes Mm. the taste buds change and you crave things uh, through the gut microbiome and the food's designed in that way right it is it's full of sugars and trans fats which are both not only are bad for your mental health your emotions dip but also it promotes cancer uh, high blood pressure, yeah. cardiovascular diseases, all of inflammation. The yeah, yeah, as the underlying right factor, right? Inflammation, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So what's um, super important is that you can take back control. Yeah. It is not going to take away from you. It's going to give you more options, more good mm. feelings, more positivity. And uh, we are, that's why, as you said, you are so uh, more hopeful now. We are more hopeful because we can see that this um, trend of chronic, epid- uh, chronic diseases, the pandemic of chronic diseases, we have a solution to, which is cheap, accessible to all. Um, all we need to do is make it clear to patients that actually it's going to help them rather than take away from what they have known for too long. Yeah. Well, and, and in, no, in no way is it about blaming people mm. because unfortunately society has been built in a way that you were not even kind of provided with the, with the choices. Yeah. Um, and we've kind of been pushed to make certain choices. Yeah. Um, that are mm-hmm. not necessarily the best choices. Yeah. Um, but that's and, okay, right? We can start from now. Yeah, exactly. we can start from now. Um, and, and, you know, lifestyle medicine, what the, I think it was Rob Lawson, Dr. Rob Lawson, who's um, the chairman of BSLM, mm. British Society of Lifestyle Medicine, has said, you know, lifestyle medicine. If you think of a, a leaky tap mm. um, and we're mopping around a leaky tap and that yeah. is kind of like what we're doing by giving yeah. you medicine, we're mopping it, yeah. the water, whereas lifestyle medicine, we're going in, fixing that leaky tap, yeah. t- fixing it, turning it off. So we're going to the source, going to the cause um, and managing things that mm. way. And also just that, that kind of final point, like it's not just on the doctor. The doctor's just going to give you something, that silver bullet to fix you. Like, it, you know, you've got to take ownership of this as well. Like this is something that it's your life. Do mm. you know? And, you know, you sometimes talk to yourself. Do you want a good life? Do you want a happy life? Do you want a positive life? If you do, then things might need to change. And but that's OK. And it's hard. And but if you surround yourself with like minded people, get great education from from from, from people like yourselves, then you can do it. And I'm going to say that again. I can. I can. I can. You can. Um, yeah, absolutely. You can <laughs> and will and just take one step at a time. Just 
one of those things that we mentioned today, change your food a little bit, yeah. go out for a little bit of walk. You can do it. Can you do can it. put your shoes on. And <laughs> the best thing that I do is I don't let my brain think in the morning. So when I wake up, I already have my shoes out and yeah. my training clothes. Get out, so do it. And I go out, I do it, and I immediately feel better. And yeah. all of my choices will depend on that one thing that I did for myself in the yeah. morning. So that's something I would like to leave you with. Well, something you can do from the morning that kind of puts you in that spiral, yeah. even and, when you're low. And starts you off in the right set. Well, honestly, thank you, Dr. Erica and Dr. Liver, for a fascinating cyber conversation. I'm going to have to cut it short. I could speak to you for the next five hours. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, um, I think, uh, to be honest, we've covered a huge variety of topics. Um, I can only thank you enough. And thank you so much for everything you've done in the last year. You know, that, you know I think that's all we can say. Uh, thank you so much thank for Sidekick you. and your work that you do is so fundamental to uh, especially what we see now in the pandemic. We, we need your work more than ever. So thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank Appreciate you, Matt. That. It's been lovely chatting to you. Yeah, likewise. Thank you so much. And, and thank you to everyone listening. You can subscribe to us on most major podcast platforms, YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Just search for Sidekick Community or Psychic Stories and we'll pop up. And please do give us a rating if you like the show. And you can check out our free Psychic app for iPhone and iPad that we mentioned on this on this episode, a collection of interactive exercises, tools, and tips to help you boost your mental well-being. The app enables you to build a personalized well-being toolkit to help you deal with life's ups and downs. Just go to our website, www.sidekick.org.uk and click the download down button in the header to take you to the app store dr eric and dr nenda thank you again thank you, thank you. bye <laughs>